Hello and welcome to a new episode of Wikijabba, a podcast about Wikipedia and its sister projects. My name is Sebastian Walroth and I'm talking to people that are involved with Wikipedia and its projects or have something to do with it. Today's guest is Amir. Hello, Amir. Hello. Greetings from Berlin. Please introduce yourself. Uh, greetings from Jerusalem. Uh, my name is Amira Haroni. Um, I was born in Moscow. Uh, I have lived in Israel since uh, 1991. Uh, I have been a Wikipedian since 2005. Uh, and I've edited in a bunch of languages, also in uh, Wikisource and Dictionary and some other projects. Uh, and I'm also a staff member of the Wikimedia Foundation since 2011, working on... Uh, Uh, language support and language diversity. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting, it's an interesting start of by your biography, biography that you are born in Moscow. I've been to Israel uh, with the Wikimania oh, in Haifa. Great. Yeah. And uh, what I mentioned uh, that there were a lot of Russian people around, a lot of people talking Russian at least. Yeah, so uh, a lot of uh, Jews immigrated to uh, Israel from Russia, especially in the early 1990s, like myself. Uh, quite a lot of them settled in Haifa, but also in a lot of other places around Israel. Uh, so out of uh, something like 8 million, 7 or 8 million people in Israel, uh, about a million are from Russia. Mm -hmm. I'm one of them. And uh, uh, did you learn Hebrew in in uh, Israel or at, in, in Russia? I started learning Hebrew a few months uh, before we immigrated uh, in Moscow. Mm -hmm. How old have you been? I, I was I was ten years old. And, ten uh, years, okay. Yeah. It's quite easy to learn a new language with ten years old. Yeah, and especially the especially that I like I, I loved learning languages. I, I loved everything about languages since I was about five years old. I'm not making this uh -huh. up. So that uh, early. I just yeah, I just I just absolutely love this. I I, I, I was born in Moscow and uh, when I was five years old my parents took me to a vacation in Ukraine. Uh, and in Ukraine the Ukrainian language is spoken, which is similar to Russian, but it's different enough for, for mm -hmm. to notice. Uh, and I was immediately fascinated by this, and I, I loved everything about languages since then, like reading about languages and looking at different alphabets and things like that. So um, uh, when I started learning Hebrew, it was literally fun for me. And um, I saw on your homepage that you are fluent in Russian and Hebrew and English, and you learned Catalan. Uh, that is true. That is true. I, I learned Catalan in the university. Um, I have a degree in linguistics in my university. Everybody who learns linguistics uh, has also to learn one ancient language. Uh, I picked Latin and three modern languages. So my modern languages were uh, Lithuanian, Catalan, and uh, Italian. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, Catalan, it, was, it just happened to be uh, one of the languages in the long list of that I could pick from. Um, uh, I was happy that I picked it because Catalan has a Catalan language has a very interesting history, uh, somewhat similar to the history of Hebrew. Uh, it had periods where less people spoke it, and then it had the period of revival. Uh, it's it's very very interesting history, very very interesting 
points to uh, compare to other languages. The the history of Hebrew language isn't it? Is it right that it got uh, lost and uh, then it was revived with the Jewish movement? Yeah, about 2,000 years ago. It, uh, nobody is really sure when, but definitely more than 1,000 years ago, it was not spoken any longer. It remained as a written language among Jews, but nobody was speaking it. And in the 19th century, uh, a big movement started to revive this language as a modern spoken language. And uh, also, you know, not just modern spoken language, you know, for family and work and school and everything, and also for writing, uh, like, you know, writing modern newspapers, modern textbooks, modern encyclopedias, modern dictionaries, uh, things like that. And uh, this movement actually succeeded. And uh, usually Hebrew is given as one of the examples as is one of the examples of the most successful language uh, revival movements. Uh, the other two examples are Catalan and uh, French in Canada. Mm -hmm. So this and is like I, these three languages. I learned that the uh, languages in the Baltic republics, Lituania and um, nah, <laughs> I've been there and I forgot the name. That's too bad. Yeah. Estonian, Estonian? Estonia, yeah, yeah. That this language, you're right, Estonia. That these were also, um, languages that got lost and was, were reinvented. I, I don't think that they were completely lost. It was just that, uh, a lot of languages in Soviet Union and in Russian Empire and in today's Russia also, uh, they were disadvantaged. Um, most of them were disadvantaged, uh, When compared to Russian, Russian was dominant almost everywhere, um, and some languages were going out of use in um, in schools and in business uh, and in government, and Russian was replacing them. Uh, actually, the languages of the Baltic republics were relatively better preserved, and currently they are pretty stable. Uh, many other languages of Soviet Union were not so stable, and some of them are still threatened. And uh, in some of them, there is a process of... Uh, transition to Russian uh, going on among the speakers. Uh, some of them are stronger, some of them are weaker. Such things for me are very interesting. Mm -hmm. So you came to a country with a newborn language and uh, a newborn state, I would say, because it's pretty young. Relatively, uh, yeah. Relatively, yeah. It's pretty old and pretty young. Uh, and... Um, Was, but you were interested in language uh, before, and then you studied linguistic. What do you do when you study linguistics? So I studied linguistics in the Hebrew University of Jerusalem. Uh, so I had to learn several languages, uh, and the idea is not so much to know the language as well, but to see different examples of different kinds of grammar um, and uh, how different kinds of grammar can be How can you have completely different conversations in scientific terms about different languages? Um, so just, just as a simple example, uh, in the Russian language, there are a lot of cases for nouns. Uh, six of them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. In Russian, it's six, and some would say that, uh, that it's even more than six. In Hebrew, there are no cases. In English, there's barely any case. There's the possessive case, which can be barely called a case at all. So that's that's one simple example. Uh, in the Lithuanian language, there's a very, very complicated and developed, well-developed system of participles in 
present tense and past tense and a lot of conjugations and all that. In English, you have a very simple, like just one very simple participle, and, and that's it. So um, these kind of uh, so the the idea was to learn that you can have very different scientific terminology uh, when talking about different languages, and also to learn one ancient language and at least one modern language that developed from that language. So I learned Latin and Italian and Catalan, which developed from Latin. So you can uh, also uh, trace the development in languages over time. And uh, I learned several other courses about uh, you know the general idea of phonetics and the general idea of uh, what is syntax and uh, um how 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 things in language uh, are held together in a structure and and so on uh, the general theory of that so that's what that's what you learn as a linguist interesting i'm so fascinated by this um last month i heard a podcast uh, about uh, science uh, language science and there was a study that the language Uh, which language you speak has an uh, influence of how you think. So if you have a lang language that has not so much um, um, time um, time cases, I would say, like like in German you have um, yeah the past and uh, the future and today and maybe the past after the past, uh, but but another language like in English you always have to keep in mind. Is the thing what you are talking about lasting in the future, or does it come from the past and, and thing? And some languages have very complicated um, uh, things, and this also influences uh, how you think. Possibly, yeah. There, there, there have been um, there have been uh, discussions about this uh, for many decades. I actually don't know much about that. Um, uh, it's, it may be true, or maybe not. Um, it, what 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 can definitely but happen is yeah. what can definitely happen is um, that you can have uh, different perceptions of things when you go from one language to another. So, for example, if if in your life you use more than one language, then it can definitely happen uh, that you think ab about something in one language in terms of how would how you how you would think about it in another language. So. Uh, um, um, There was there was an experiment that uh, like with the word key, a famous experiment that uh, in some languages uh, people are talking about key and they say that like what which words would they use to describe it and some people would say heavy metallic uh, something like that and and people from other languages would say that it's small nice and so on and uh, it it it. It is possibly related to the fact that in some languages it has the feminine gender, and in other languages it has the, it has the masculine gender. So that's 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 one example of uh, of, of of an influence. But that's that's not so much uh, in the way that you think in general about life, but in how languages influence each other within one person. Mm. And that this definitely happens. Yeah. I'm A language is so different and they even have different mindsets and stuff. And now, now we come to Wikipedia and some people think that there's one Wikipedia, the English one, and the other are just like translations of, of the English Wikipedia. But it's much more complicated than this, isn't it? Of course, it's much more complicated than this. Um, uh, so the, the cold hard facts on the ground 
are that English is, by several orders of magnitude, uh, larger than any other Wikipedia in any other language. Uh, German is the second by most uh, measurements, but uh, uh, English is much larger than than German by far. Mm. And uh, obviously this happens because... um, uh, English is an important international language, and English is the language of uh, uh, several very important countries like UK and US. And um, it's 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 not unusual. It's pretty clear uh, now. UK and US uh, are actually not and the only a, important countries. India, yeah, for and example, it's li- and it's a language of science and of computer science. Yes. Yes. Especially in Wikipedia uh, field, it, it has a big impact, I guess, because the the starting uh, was technic, was a wiki, and all the people could speak English and understand English, and so they started to write in English, of course. Yeah, well, it it, it started in the US, like a lot of other websites. Mm. Um, it is the language of computer science because, you know, historically, uh, a lot of research uh, about computer science happened uh, in the US, um, uh, MIT and Berkeley and so on. A lot of uh, early internet uh, companies started in, in the US, IBM, Microsoft, uh, Google, and all those. Uh, there is, uh, like I, I always try to remind this, there is science in other languages. It exists. There is science publication in German and in French and in Chinese and in Russian and in other languages. Uh, it's just important to remember that English is not the only one. English is the most important one, but English is not the only one, not in Wikipedia and not elsewhere. Especially um, in in Russia, uh, I, I made uh, the... Uh I learned that Russia has its own yeah, universe, language universe, but is separated from the English one. They have their own science publications. And this is not only Russia, this is uh, the, the former Soviet uh, republics. They're all included in this. Um, this, this of course, yes. And Russia, so like Russia is not Armenia, the only country. Yeah, Russia is not the only such country. Uh, there are several others in the world. Um, it just happens occasionally in some countries, in some places around the world, that um, the leadership of you know culture and education decides. Like it, it is often the government, or it could be some kind of a public uh, social organization uh, decides to use the language, use their own language more in a certain way. Uh, in Russia itself, French was uh, very dominant in uh, in business and uh, government and education in the 19th century. But over time, it switched to Russian. Uh, it, it was it was a series of conscious decisions by by the by the monarchy and later by the communist government to pop, to use Russian in education much more to publish a lot of uh, textbooks. Some of them are translated from other languages, and some of them are originally written in Russian. And Russia is not the only place that did this. Uh, Catalonia, actually, uh, over over the last thirty years or so, the government of Catalonia did a huge project of uh, publishing a lot of university textbooks in Catalan, so it would be possible to have a complete PhD degree in uh, in the Catalan university. And uh, Russian Catalonia are just examples that I'm familiar with, and there are others around the world. How does? Oh, are you fine? 
Hey, I'm fine. My cat is doing funny things here. Um, how does it uh, influence the the uh, Wikipedia uh, map of languages and Wikipedia? Uh, it obviously influences this because the more a language is used in a certain culture for education and business and entertainment even, um, the more likely it is uh, in the modern World Wide Web that people will search in search engines in that language. Uh, Google is the most popular internationally, and uh, uh, there are several other search engines. There's Yandex, which is very popular in Russia and some other countries, and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, Baidu and Bing and uh, some more. Um, and if people are aware that a language can be used in different areas of life, then they also use it online more. And usually this also influences the level of development of a Wikipedia in the same language. So you can see that the Catalan Wikipedia, even though Catalan is a relatively small language uh, on the world scale, uh, it's pretty large uh, compared to many, like, uh, something like, but it depends on how you count, something like eight or nine people, eight or nine million people in the world speak Catalan, maybe a bit more. Uh, so it's not a huge language, it's comparable to maybe uh, Danish or Swedish um, but the Catalan Wikipedia is very, very active. Uh, pe people, people, you know, people when they walk around uh, cities in Catalonia, they they see Catalan everywhere on the street signs, and they see Catalan textbooks in schools, and they see Catalan bookstores everywhere, and they know that you can write this language and you can write it anywhere and you can read it anywhere. So they keep using it, and this contributes to the usage in Wikipedia. And these were conscious decisions that were made by, you know, cultural leaders uh, decades ago, and now they are paying off. Mm -hmm. What was your first contact to Wikipedia? Ah, so, uh, <laughs> I love telling that story. Uh, so, I knew, I knew what a wiki is, the idea of a wiki as a website that anyone can edit. Uh, from pretty early on, I, I got online for the first time 20 years ago in 97. Uh, one of the first things I searched for um, was uh, information about uh, programming. I was I was learning programming back then. I, I could, uh, in, in schools in Israel, we were learning uh, programming uh, in the Pascal language. Uh, and I was, uh, I, I wanted to expand my horizons to other programming languages. So I searched for information about Java, which was super popular back then. And uh, I found a website. Uh, there were many websites about Java already back then. '97, uh, you know, it's a pre like relatively early days of the web, but there were a lot of websites about Java. One of these websites called itself a wiki. It was a wiki, and uh, I didn't understand what the wiki is. And they explained that it's a website that anybody can edit, uh, which sounded quite strange to me. So I, I actually tried editing. And it worked. Like I, I changed some, like something very cosmetic, something very similar, and I saved it, and it worked. I was really surprised. It was really nice. Uh, I didn't do much more on that website, uh, but I, I did learn thanks to that experience what a wiki is, uh, and I remembered it. And sometime later, I learned about the idea of free software, also known as open source, and projects like Linux and Apache and uh, Mozilla which later became Firefox. 
um, and Perl. The Perl programming language was uh, like a big favorite of mine. Uh, it's 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 not as popular today as it used to be 15 years ago, but um, uh, I, I loved it a lot. Uh, I wrote a lot of code in Perl. Um, and then a few years later, I came upon a website which called itself Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. And I didn't need any explanation for this title. Like, I, I immediately understood that it is an encyclopedia. I knew what an encyclopedia is. That it is written as a wiki. Uh, and I, I, I was lucky enough to already know what a wiki is. And I also very quickly understood that free in the, the free encyclopedia refers to copyright. Because I was familiar with the idea of free software. So I, um, I, I quickly guessed that it's probably uh, an idea of licensing and copyright. And I was right. Uh, like I, I, I scrolled down and I found the, the fine print and I found that it is the GNU free documentation license. And, um, like I, I didn't need, uh, I didn't need an introduction of, uh, of the, these most basic principles of free licensing and what is an encyclopedia. And uh, sometime later, I actually started trying to edit. And, you know, I edited about um, topics that uh, interest me. Um, uh, some things about uh, Israel, some things about Russia, some things about languages, uh, about linguistics. Um, and that's how it uh, developed. Um, were you editing Wikipedia in the university or at home? Uh, both. Um, yeah, I, I had I had internet at home since '97, uh, and back then I was indeed a student, and I was occasionally uh, uh, I didn't have a laptop. I, I occasionally went to the computer room in the university and edited Wikipedia from the computer room in the university. Mm -hmm. um, how is the the internet accessibility in Israel today? It's pretty good. Uh, broadband is common since uh, something like 2003. Uh, I don't even remember what my uh, uh, internet speed is. Is is it like 20 Mbps or something? I don't know. I'm I'm pretty happy about the speed and the quality. I don't know either. <laughs> If it works, then you don't care about it. It mostly works, yeah. Uh, what what uh, surprised me was uh, internet and buses in Israel. Yeah, internet where? In buses and over overland oh, buses. Yeah, yeah. Some some of them. Yeah, it's not it's not totally stable, but yes, it it works in some buses. Yes. Yeah, but because in Germany it's still like, uh, yeah. Um, we have fast internet, but not everywhere, and you you have to pay for it a lot. Yeah, I, I don't. And I don't know why because it's yeah, they managed to do it like this instead of giving it free for the people. But there are some politicians, uh, politicians that say uh, internet has to be free because it's the the uh, one of the most used way for uh, uh, for people to access information and stuff. Obviously, yeah, I love. Um so uh, the price of access is obviously an issue. The quality of access obviously is also an issue. And for me, the, the fact that the internet is global is very important. Internet, at least uh, initially, when it started, it didn't have borders at all. Like it, you, you immediately get to any website from any country. And uh, these days I'm quite concerned about 
how some countries are trying to, you know, segregate, uh, like make their own segment of the internet. China is very famous at that. Um, uh, uh, Russia has been trying to do this for years uh, with less success than China, from what I heard, but Russia is trying. Uh, Spain has been trying to do this in the last few days. Uh, you may have heard about the political events there. And, you know, it happens. Germany, uh, I also, I, I'm, I, I didn't try this in Germany, but I, I am hearing that some things are censored in Germany because of maybe Nazi content or anything like that. Some things are also censored in Israel because of Nazi content. Uh, I, I don't like any any kind of, of censorship of this kind. Uh, like, it, it, really, it really shouldn't be there. It's, it's so wonderful that internet doesn't have borders and internet should remain like that without borders. Hmm. But it's... Uh... Yeah, but it's limited by the uh, that how people can ex uh, that people can access the internet, uh, not only in by censorship but also by money. Yeah, this is a limit, and um, and the uh, the uh, the grade of education, how much languages do you speak, and that's why the idea of uh, of Wikipedia to um, present knowledge in every possible language is so a fantastic idea. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one of the things that interests me the most um, in, uh, in in Wikipedia. Wikipedia is one of the most massively multilingual websites. Uh, that's also uh, that's also my role in the Wikimedia Foundation. Uh, I was I, I started in 2011 as um, uh, as a software developer. Uh, I later became a product manager uh, in the same area of language support. Uh, and these are the things that I care about. I want to so be you, a, excuse me. So you are an employee of the Wikimedia Foundation. Yes, yes, I am. Since since 2011. Ah, okay. And uh, 2011. And, and <laughs> sorry, this interests me. And you working from home from Jerusalem? Yes, I did. You have no office. So you work from home. But no, that my, my yeah, my home is my office. Yeah. Your power is your office. And uh, product manager is uh, means that you're working in an agile uh, environment. Um, yeah, you, you could say so. Agile is a very uh, overloaded term, and every every software okay. development team uh, uses okay, it we differently. Will, okay, then we will talk later about this, but no, go on with your your startup yeah. foundation. Yeah, so so yeah, so so what I do in the foundation, um, I work on projects that um, that are trying to make Wikipedia more accessible to different languages, uh, so it would be as easy as possible to write in any language. Like it, it, it should be easy, as easy to write in uh, Hindi as it is in English or in any other language. And it's challenging because alphabets are different and writing directions are different, uh, left to right, right to left. And for some languages, it's top to bottom. Um, and um, some languages have a very good support for, uh, you know, spell checking. Uh, I'm sure that for German there, there are good spell checking dictionaries, and certainly there are for, for English. Uh, there we are also lucky enough to have a good spelling uh, spell checking dictionary for Hebrew, because uh, a couple of students made one as volunteers a few years ago. Uh, I happen to know them; they're great people. Uh, but uh, not not every language is lucky enough to to have a, uh, to have a good spelling dictionary. Now, the Wikimedia Foundation cannot make a spelling dictionary for every language. Um, But some things that we can do, we can make it easier to translate the user interface of the Wikipedia software to different languages. That's one of the things that we are doing. We can make it easier to translate articles between languages. 
uh, we can uh, make it make we can make sure that uh, languages are displayed correctly left to right and right to left, and also which is frequently forgotten, right to left and left to right at the same time because this happens more frequently than you, than you imagine. For example, a very simple example is uh, if you want to um, read comments the images site but you want to see the user interface of the site in hebrew or arabic so you want so you you want the title of the photo to appear correctly in english but you want the like the upload button you want you want it to appear correctly uh, in in the right to left orientation so doing these things uh, that's that's some of the things that my team is doing and um the biggest project of the last few years that we've been doing is content translation, uh, which we first deployed in the year 2015. Uh, since then, it was used to translate more than 200,000 articles to a lot of languages. Uh, and uh, we have something like 2,000, 3,000 articles translated every week using content translation. Uh, and it's still in development. Uh, there's still lots and lots and lots of bugs to fix. Um, for example, uh, currently we are changing the uh, the editing interface uh, to something that looks more like uh, the visual editor. So it, it will be essentially almost the same uh, user interface and toolbar as visual editor, but it will be uh, oriented for translation. So you will see you you will see the language from which you are translating and the language into which you are translating, and you will have machine translation integrated where it's possible. Uh, and so on. So that's the big project that we are doing right now. Uh, another big project uh, that uh, yeah, I've been excuse yeah excuse yeah. me yeah I'm a, I'm a user of this interface yeah because um, sometimes I take part in um, editatons like uh, the Asian Month or uh, Women in Red. And then, yeah, and to, to make not so much work for me, I'm translating articles from English Wikipedia or Russian Wikipedia to German Wikipedia. Okay. And I'm very, I'm really happy about the interface. Thank you. Um, it, it, it helps a lot because you don't have to do a source code. Uh, you can do it in a, a nice environment for the, for the, so the first translation, because you cannot finish it in that environment, you have to create the article and then um, work on it to uh, to make it. Um, yeah, because you have a rough uh, translation, but uh, things like um, footnotes or uh, links to books, uh, literature uh, uh, connections have to be uh, edited. And um, I'm doing it like the. Uh, uh, um, yeah, the scout boys are doing are leaving the place better than I found it, and so I want to. I always want that the new article is better than the origin. Wow, <laughs> so that's, I'm adding, that's, that's such a great attitude. Yeah, yeah, this is what I'm doing, and I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that it, uh, the environment will um, develop further because uh, there are some wishes open. Yes, yes, yes. We, we, we. I definitely know. Like I'm, I'm as a product manager. One of the things that one of the main things that I'm doing is uh, I am managing the very long list of bugs and uh, deciding which bugs are we going to fix next. And we have more than seven hundred bugs, um, and I, I want to fix all of them. Uh, but we have limited, we have a limited number of people, and we have limited time, so we have to prioritize. Uh, so currently, we're working on this. Currently, we're working on. Uh, uh, making it look more like the visual editor, so it will be a familiar interface, uh, familiar editing interfaces in all the different contexts. 
Uh, it's a big, complicated technical project, but we will do it. Um, and uh, then I hope to have some more bug fixes, some bug fixes and template support and then uh, footnote support and so on. Um, okay, that's great. Um, you said you don't have so much developers. Are all developers employees of Wikimedia Foundation you're working with? Yeah, essentially all the developers of this project are uh, employees of the, of the foundation. We occasionally get... Uh, patches from volunteers, but it's not very frequent. Uh, so why? Because uh, when I talk to people uh, about Wikipedia, uh, they do not know much about Wikipedia, what is 99, 99.999% of, of the time. Uh, they think even the software is written by volunteers, but it's not anymore, isn't it? No, uh, no. Uh, quite Quite a lot of parts are written by volunteers. Uh, content translation, unfortunately, is not one of them. Very unfortunately, uh, and I, I can understand why because it's <coughs> it's complicated to it's complicated to start with this. It's complicated to install a development environment and and start coding. Um, it's it's you know it's much easier to start developing an Android app than. Uh, Uh, then uh, you know, install a media wiki web uh, platform, and then uh, install you know services and configure PHP correctly, and configure the Node.js platform correctly, and so on. Um, it's it's not easy. Uh, it's 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 uh, it's a problematic barrier to entry for some people. I, I I can understand this. Unfortunately, it used to be even harder. Uh, some things improved, I believe, in the in the recent years. But but I still I can understand why why is it hard. And that's why a lot of um, a lot of volunteer effort uh, does go to some software development uh, areas, not so much to content translation. Uh, a well, a lot of templates. Templates are almost purely a volunteer effort, for example. And a lot of gadgets are also essentially a volunteer effort, and that's like thousands and thousands of lines of code. Uh, so it's great it's commendable it's it's uh, powerful uh, there is a bit of a problem with that is that it's yeah like you can make a brilliant template or gadget in your wiki but then it will be very hard to install it in another wiki because you will have to manually copy a lot of uh, a lot of uh, javascript pages or template pages and make sure that they work in in a different wiki so uh, that's an area that i would love to see changed Uh, that's that's something that people hoped for 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 many many years, um, but it's it's still not happening. Uh, but you know, uh, I hope that it will happen someday. But uh, if if we're talking about volunteers, then templates and gadgets are huge volunteer software development effort, and uh, like really, um, I I really respect that. Uh, in which, uh, should we say, content translation? This is all programmed in PHP or, or Python? Or it's, uh, no, it's not Python. It's uh, PHP. Some server parts are in PHP. Uh, mostly JavaScript, because a lot of it is uh, uh, in the front end. It runs, most of it runs in the browser. And some parts are Node.js, which is also JavaScript, but it runs on the server. So it's a little bit of PHP and a lot of JavaScript. And uh, it's 
complicated to to start with uh, programming because of the um, in, uh, of the existing code, and you have to come in to to find out how to to add something or to change something. I, I so the sh the short answer is yes, but uh, but it's it's important to understand which parts exactly are complicated. Um, The code is actually not very hard. It's pretty well organized. It's pretty easy to read, the code itself. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. Making a development environment in which you can test your code, that's the hard part. Because you need to make sure that you can uh, load example articles to translate from somewhere. Uh, that, that, that part, it, like it should be easy, but it's not. Uh, and uh, you need to make a patch and send this patch for review. And as an, a developer who is well familiar with the code needs to review the patch and either merge it or write some comments about how this patch should be improved. And there are currently very few developers who are familiar enough with the code to be able to boldly, bravely uh, review the code and say that it's okay to merge it. So... Uh, perhaps if there were more developers to begin with, it would be easier to get um, uh, new code from other people to 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 get merged and reviewed. Mm -hmm. So there's an invitation to the developers out there who want to um, to involve with Wikipedia and with language stuff. Uh, please contact Amir; he will help mm. you to Absolutely, join yeah. the yeah. community. Yes. <laughs> okay. I hope this helps <laughs> because yeah. I want to see good further. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh huh. So you start. You were um, studying linguistics, uh, and now you are pro, pro yeah, product manager. Uh, but you are also into. Uh, um, Computing and and programming, or is it more the 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 linguistic part that well, drives both. the jobs? Both. Uh, I loved like I started programming when I was like I don't know fourteen or fifteen years old uh, in school, and um, uh, when I did my military service, it was also with computers. And uh, I worked in several software companies uh, before I joined uh, the Wikimedia Foundation. Uh, and I joined the Wikimedia Foundation because I had this. Um, experience with programming. Uh, so it was essentially kind of a continuation in, in, in that sense. Of course, it was a very special kind of continuation because it was about Wikipedia and it was about languages. So uh, uh, my linguistics background was very helpful uh, with doing this. Uh, but yeah, I, was, I, I definitely do have software development uh, background. Mm -hmm. So now we talked about uh, the content translation. Uh, can you please describe how uh, a user who is new to Wikipedia said, okay, content translation, this is something I can do. How can he access the content translation tool? So or she or she. Of course. Uh, mm -hmm. if you have uh, if you have your account, it's it's this currently available only for uh, logged in users and it is currently defined as a better feature and Uh, you know, beta, it, it basically means that it's a preference. It's a preference that you need to enable. It's, uh, you know, beta is just a label. Uh, you need to go to your, you need to log into your account. You need to go to your preferences, to beta, and uh, to enable the content translation beta feature. 
in a lot of languages, it's one of the most enabled uh, beta features by, by the largest number of people. And then you go to uh, the contributions menu. Uh, the idea behind this is that translation is a kind of contribution. So you go to the contributions menu and uh, you see translation and then you choose uh, the language from which you want to translate and the name of the article from which you want to translate and you click start translation. And uh, that is it. You just see uh, one language on one side and you see an empty space for writing in your language uh, on the other side of the screen and you simply type it. Uh, now, it's, there's something that people always ask me uh, very, very, very frequently in a lot of places and a lot of languages. Uh, is this like Google Translation? And the answer is no. Google Translation is where you give the computer some text and the computer, the website, Google Translate, translates it for you. You are not typing anything. You Usually people copy something from another website uh, and then it gets translated. Um, and this is not machine translation. Content translation is an environment for you to create an article uh, by typing it yourself. In some languages, we have machine translation integrated uh, if it's available uh, for, for that particular language. We don't have Google for any language yet, but we may have it in the future. Um, we have a translation with some other uh, machine translation engines. We have Yandex, which supports a lot of languages. Um, we have um, NetEase, which supports Chinese. And we have Apertium, which is an open source, a brilliant open source package, which supports uh, uh, several languages, mostly languages of Europe, uh, very well. Um, we may integrate other machine translation engines in the future, but this is optional. Some people find it helpful, some people find it unhelpful. So we give this as an option. Uh, you can prefill the content of your translation with machine translation, but you always have to fix it. Because machine translation, even when it works well, it still always makes mistakes. So when I say translation, I mean that you are the translator. You are supposed to type the translation. Occasionally, machine translation can help you. But you are supposed to type the translation. You're responsible for making sure that it's correct and uh, that all the links are there. We do help you with links, for example. We automatically copy the links when it's possible. We, we automatically copy uh, footnotes when it's possible. We automatically copy the templates when it's possible. We are, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to help you skip the boring parts. But uh, the job of the translator is always to type the translation and make sure that the, 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 the translation is correct. Hmm. Yeah, because the machine uh, doesn't reflect like uh, different meanings of a word or the the not the environment, the surrounding of the word. What was what we are talking about and what yeah, yeah. different meanings? And you can uh, say you can say environment. This is actually this is actually a term that is used in linguistics. Environment. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I'm talking now me as a amateur uh, translator. Um, what I see that is Wikipedia articles um, are mostly uh, like short stories, You're telling a story, you know, and a story can't be translated word by word. It has you have to tell the story. And that's why this is the work of the translator to tell the story in his language. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You have articles like about asteroids or lakes or even about uh, 
animals that are more like database entries. They are pretty easy to translate. But if you have something like the civil war or uh, the invention of the car, this, these are stories that have to be told. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And this can't uh, be done by a machine. Yeah. No, this, I, I don't think that, like, I do think that machine translation will get better in the future. I don't think that it will ever get perfect. It, uh, it will never totally replace humans. Okay. This was about content translation, what is not done by machines, but by volunteers either. And then we talked about compact language links. Please tell about this. Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the first things I noticed when I started writing Wikipedia is that there are language links on the sidebar. Um, and initially I thought, oh, there must be some kind of a committee that uh, translates articles and checks that the translations are correct and adds these links. And I quite quickly understood that that's not the case. Uh, and uh, actually everything is very manual and uh, every language is totally autonomous and the content is technically independent. It's supposed to be about the same subject, but that's really it. Uh, over the years, I, I, I even found lots of mistakes in uh, in uh, into language links, I fixed I don't know many hundreds of articles in a lot of languages uh, to make sure that uh, the links are correct. And um, uh, some of the old timers may remember that um, into language links used to be part of the article. Uh, a lot of articles uh, were ending with a very long list of how is this article called in other languages, and this list list had to be replicated in all the languages and there were bots lots of like dozens of different bots that were making millions literally millions of edits to make sure that all these links are replicated correctly this was absolutely crazy until finally in what was it 2012 or 2013 uh, it was replaced by wikidata and uh, most of these links were deleted they still remain in a few articles but uh, most of these links are now in Wikidata and they're separated from the article text, which is great. Uh, it's, uh, at least technically, it's much, much easier to manage this now. Uh, some people say that uh, it's, it's harder to edit them in Wikidata. Uh, I can understand why, <laughs> to be honest. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but from the technical point of view, it's, it's clearly better to, to separate it from the article text. Maybe you can uh, explain what a bot is. Oh, so a bot is uh, like uh, an editor uh, of Wikipedia, but it's not a human. It's, it's a computer program which makes a change in an article. Um, and uh, they are operated, they, they, are, they are run by humans, but these are programs. And the good thing about them is that they can make uh, thousands of edits uh, with very little effort from the human. Uh, the uh, inconvenient thing about them is that um, uh, it, it may be occasionally hard to, to track so many edits. Uh, and if a bot, if, if a bot has some kind of a bug, then it can ruin a lot of articles and then you have to revert them. Uh, and also as with the case of this kind of bot, uh, it, maybe it's better to implement a completely different solution uh, instead of running a bot. For, uh, so for, for the case of interlanguage links, Wikidata was made in year 2012 and it got much better, so these bots became simply unnecessary. Uh, currently, there are bots doing other things, uh, you know, fixing spelling or uh, deleting unnecessary images, stuff like that. Uh, and 
someday, eventually, I hope that uh, they will also be replaced by something uh, smarter. Okay, the solution uh, that we have now is that for, an, let's say, an English article, um, and there's a, a German article in the same language, there's a data entry in Wikidata, and then the Uh, if the if the article is rendered in your browser, it uh, connects the um, the text and the images and the the data link um, from Wikidata to other languages. Exactly. That's uh, that's uh, that's more or less um, that's more or less the direction uh, and where it's supposed to go. Uh, it's already implemented in some languages. Uh, I hope that in a few years from now we'll see much less data in articles that can be shared across languages. But we, we are kind of we're kind of steering to Wikidata and I actually wanted to speak about something different. Um, uh, I spoke about compact language links, which is a bit different thing. So ah, okay. the compact language links, Wikidata is about where they are stored. Uh, compact language links is about how they are shown to people. So in uh, some very popular articles, uh, you have a very long list of languages. And currently, it's uh, it, in some articles, it can go uh, to almost 300 languages. And theoretically, it ca this list can be even longer. If we start Wikipedia in more languages, there are websites that have uh, even more languages than Wikipedia does. Uh, there are websites that have uh, 500 and uh, 900 and uh, 1,000 languages. So this is not scalable. And it becomes very hard to find the languages that you need in this very long list. Uh, so... The design solution that we came up with is to make this list shorter with up to nine languages uh, shown initially and the button that shows more languages. And um, the theory was, the hypothesis was, that if the list is shorter and it tries to guess which languages will be the most useful for each reader, then uh, more people will click these links and more people will find them and more people will be aware that there is a Wikipedia in their language. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, a lot of people think that there's only Wikipedia in English and there is no Wikipedia in their language. This, this happens a lot. There, there were surveys about this. So we started deploying this uh, a little over a year ago, uh, gradually to different languages. Uh, by now it's deployed to... Wikipedia in all the languages except German and English. Uh, German should happen very soon. We, we already have the announcement written, and uh, maybe by the time this uh, uh, podcast is uh, published, uh, it will be already enabled uh, uh, on the German Wikipedia. But um, we have data currently uh, from the for, for, for more than a year of this feature being deployed, and we found that we were right. Uh, Now almost twice as much people uh, click into language links uh, than a year ago. Oh, it, it, great. It, 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 it grew by 90%. So, um, like, you know, like if, if, if I would find that less people click them, uh, it's possible that we would revert it and we would say that we were wrong. But the fact is that uh, it is easier to find now for most people, uh, and that's why more people click them. Uh, some people complain that it's now harder to find these links. Usually these are people who were accustomed to the to the old way that uh, the list of languages looked like, um, which is okay. Uh, people have, uh, you know, people are accustomed to things, uh, which is why it's optional, so you can disable it in the preferences. Uh, 
but generally, we do believe uh, very strongly that uh, the data shows clearly that uh, for most readers, this is a feature oriented mostly at readers of Wikipedia. And, you know, most people in Wikipedia are readers and not writers. Uh, so we see that it's easier for people to find the languages. Uh, some people actually complained, especially about Germany, uh, that it will be harder to find small languages. So uh, one language about which a lot of people uh, complained was Esperanto, because it is not tied to any country. And uh, there is a pretty large community of people who edit the Wikipedia in Esperanto, and I can totally understand their concern. And what actually happened is that now more people click on the link to Esperanto. So they have all the reasons to be happy. Uh, it's it's now easier to find uh, the link to Esperanto uh, thanks to this feature. And the same thing, absolutely the same thing, happened with all the other languages, uh, like the regional languages of Germany, uh, like uh, Alemannisch and Kölsch and uh, Pfälzisch, uh, languages like mm-hmm. that. You, pr- you probably know this much better than I do. We saw that the number of people... I'm not were, sure about that. <laughs> not sure well, about that. Uh, the, the fact is that more people now are now clicking on the links to these languages than, uh, than, than, know, than a year ago. Do you know why? Oh, why? Uh, clearly, because uh, now they appear more prominently. Uh, now they, uh, it's, it's uh, much easier to find something in a list of uh, nine items than to find something in a list of 200 items. Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So some people say... Uh, some people say, and I can understand them, that it is easier to find something if you show the whole list and the list is alphabetical and you know where, where to look for it. But yeah, this, but that's the problem. If you know where to look for it, if you are an experienced Wikipedia editor and you see this every day and you know how the, how the page is structured, then maybe, yes, maybe it is easier for you to find this. But if you are, if you are a casual reader then you don't know very well how the software works and it's hard for you to find something in a list of 20 or 50 or or 200 items. So making the list shorter uh, makes it a lot more sensible. And we are trying our best and I think that we are succeeding because, you know, facts, people are clicking it more. Um, and people who knows about these, uh, that there are more languages that can click on the extent link to see all languages. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, we, we say very clearly, uh, for example, people, some people were complaining, now we cannot know how many links are there, but that's exactly the opposite because now we have a button that says exactly how many links are there, like what's the total number? You don't have to count them one by one. Now we, have, now we say uh, 57 more links. Um, so if you, if you don't see it... I went to the yeah. German article Berlin and it has Boarisch, English, Espanol, Francaise, Italiano, Plattdeutsch, Netherlands, Russian, Chinese, and then it says 233 others. Yes, so you, I guess so you so you enable the better feature because in the German Wikipedia it is still a better feature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's how it will more or less work. So the way it works, uh, if you clicked on languages before, then it will show you these languages first because the assumption is that if you click the language, then this language probably interests you. Uh, then it will show you the languages of your browser and your operating system. It will show the languages of your country uh, by the IP address. And uh, for the people who like privacy, we are not tracking this. We are not saving this information a- anywhere. It's uh, absolutely volatile. Uh, we only use it uh, once to find which country you are and which languages are spoken in your country, and that is it. Uh, and we also prioritize 
uh, featured articles. If there's a featured article uh, in another language, then we will show it uh, in the in the list. And finally, we show languages from the Babel box. So if you have a if you are a logged in user and you have a Babel box uh, with the languages that you know on your user page, then we will show these languages as well. So we'll, we try to match the initial short list of languages to every user. And we do have a strong reason to think that it works. Yeah, and if you want to have the list of all languages in, in uh, sorted uh, by uh, the alphabet, you click on Edit Links or Links Bearbeiten in no, Germany so, so edit links. the Wikidata page. Yeah, exactly. So that's one and way. Then you come to the Wikidata page, and, and on the right-hand side, you have a list of all languages in alphabetic order. Yes, that's one way to do this. Or if you really want to see the list the old way, then you can just uh, disable the preference, and uh, you will see the, the old list, and that is it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. That's pretty interesting, and you're very passionate about this. It, it, it looks like a small feature. Like compressing a list of 240 to, to a list of nine, but there's so much um, thoughts about it in, in the background. Uh, yes, this was this was designed by real designers. This was uh, tested with diverse users uh, who speak different languages and have different level of familiarity with the Wikipedia interface. Uh, and most importantly, this was tested in real life. Uh, it was deployed to the real website. And uh, we have the data, and we, we see that for most people, it is easier to find the languages this way. Yeah, what, what I thought until today was uh, the, there was a long list, and it was pretty much pretty long, and now it's smaller. But now I understand that there's much more effort behind it than I thought. Thank you very much for doing this. Um, you're welcome. Yeah, I love uh, passionate people <laughs> about this. Even it's a language, a compact language list. Mm -hmm. Let's let's uh, come back to the the language diversity in Wikipedia. And uh, ah, no, one thing to the to the language links. I I, I found out that um, timber framing, this uh, this um, word, um, has has a problem. Because in Germany you come to Fachwerk, uh, and there is also it's, uh, also timber framing buildings. What is German Fachwerk has the same meaning. I'm not sure about if that's the correct uh, example, but uh, you have um, articles that are not linked one to each other, like uh, Harry Potter, Harry Potter characters. In, in maybe in English you have um, an article for every her uh, character in the Harry Potter universe and in Germany you have a list of all characters or uh, only a list of um, the main characters and then a complete list of all characters or stuff and so it's not a direct translation this language link but sometimes you come to, to very different topics if you click on the language links and I, I don't think this this can't be solved automatically uh, it cannot be solved easily you know today. what I mean? yeah yeah I know very well what you mean uh, it cannot be solved easily with the current technology. Um, I'm very, very well aware of this problem. It became harder, somewhat harder, when Wikidata came came along, because in Wikidata, uh, hello, are, are you still there? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm here. Uh, so in, in, in Wikidata, mm -hmm. because because of Wikidata, you can now only have one link. 
uh, to, to a language. Uh, uh, and you, you cannot say that this article has two versions in another language. One, I don't know, uh, about one aspect of this topic and another article about another aspect of this topic. So now this is impossible, technically. Um, and this is a problem I'm very well aware of. And so one solution would be to uh, write in all the languages in the same style and uh, to divide the languages um, exactly in the same way. Um, it would be a very clean solution, but it's not a totally practical one because, you know, people in different uh, editing communities uh, have different styles. So I can understand this. Um, I don't have an easy solution for this currently. I do think... You don't? And, and, and thank you for saying that you don't have to, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Because in Wikipedia articles, you're telling stories and you have different oh, yeah. uh, types of how you tell the story. And I don't want to have each Wikipedia in every language the same way because it limits how to tell the story, yeah, how yeah, to yeah. share the knowledge. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, I am aware, nevertheless, I, I am aware of this issue. Um, after, after we complete the deployment of compact language links to all the languages, uh, we only have German and English left, uh, I do want to start another round of, uh, of thinking about how could we improve uh, the language links further? How could, we, how could we maybe make the links more useful? How could we display, display them in a way that is even more convenient to people so that even more people would click them and even more people would be, become aware that there is a Wikipedia in their language that they can edit and improve and find useful information in? Uh, so complex language links, the way it is currently, it's, it's not the end. We don't have anything solid planned for the future, but uh, I, I do acknowledge that we still have work to do. <laughs> lucky you are lucky to have things still things to do and it's it's a lot of things we have to do also beside the the language links and, and stuff oh absolutely and that's a nice thing of wikipedia we are not at the end we are just at the beginning oh yeah yeah so amir um we um We are heading to the end of our talk. It's just more than an hour that we talk right now. Um, so I uh, have to ask you two questions. The first is, um, why do you engage with Wikipedia? Why do you spend your time with Wikipedia? What is your motivation? So as a lot of other people would say, it's fun. Um, I really, really loved encyclopedias as a child. When I was a small child, We had an encyclopedia for children at home, and I was reading it very frequently. Uh, and uh, when we went to other people's homes, uh, I, I, I tried to, to look at their bookshelves, and if they had an encyclopedia that we don't have at home, I would read it. I loved encyclopedias since I was, I don't know, five or six years old, literally. You read encyclopedias? Really? Uh, well, encyclopedias for children, um, they, they exist. Ah, okay. Yeah. Like encyclopedias that, you know, they, are, they select the topics in a way that is good for children and uh, illustrations that are adapted to children. In the Soviet Union, there were at least two of those, probably much more than two. Um, and uh, I, I love them. And uh, I think that, uh, so I was lucky, uh, in, you know, in the Soviet Union, it was very ideological. Uh, a lot of books published in the Soviet Union, especially textbooks, uh, they had like this very strong Soviet communist uh, ideology everywhere, but they were also good in a lot of other ways, uh, in a lot of ways that, that are not, you know, politically biased. They were, they were great. Um, and I want every child. Especially scientific stuff. Well, definitely, yeah. 
you know, science, mm. geography, linguistics, history, and like, you know, again, like it, it will, it will tell some history with Marxist bias or with, you know, Russian nationalist bias. And, you know, but it, 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 it this, this political bias was possibly especially strong in, uh, in the Soviet Union, but, you know, political bias can happen in many countries. So if, if you, if you are, if you are clever enough to filter that out, you can actually enjoy, uh, learning uh, a lot of things. And that's what I enjoyed. And I do hope that every person in the world, especially every child in the world, in any language, in any culture, um, can enjoy learning the way I did, can at least have a chance to enjoy learning and to have access to knowledge in their language. So I, like, I, I seriously, truly believe in this. Okay. And if you overnight would become king of Wikipedia, what would be your first orders? Huh. Um, <laughs> so... Well, I'll, I'll try to make it as, as simple as possible. Um, we spoke uh, during this conversation about uh, how complicated it is to develop software for Wikipedia. I would love to make it easier to improve the technical side of Wikipedia. I would like to make it easier, for example, to take a template, a useful template from one language and to reuse it in any other language. So, so it will be easy to install it in a different language and to translate it and just use it. And the same for gadgets, uh, stuff like that. I would make it easier for volunteer developers to join uh, the development of uh, uh, MediaWiki extensions and so on. Uh, it's possible to do this. Uh, we are a very, very unusual website in terms of technology, but we could make it easier and we could make it uh, more robust. Uh, I, I could speak about this for hours, but uh, our time is limited, so I'll finish here. <laughs> yeah. So at the end uh, of the episode, I'm, I'm going to play a free licensed music and you chose a piece, uh, the well-tempered Uh, piano, Klavier by Johann Sebastian Bach, played by Kimiko Ijizaka, yep. who's a, who's a German <laughs> and, uh, uh, and she is, uh, a, a, a sports man, I know, a sports girl, I don't know what this is. Woman, called. yeah. Female. Yeah, she, she's a woman. A sportswoman? Yeah, she's a woman. Yeah, and, and <laughs> she's a woman and makes sport and plays piano and she, she, uh, released it under free, under the free license. Yeah, it was, it was a crowdfunded project several years ago. Um, she, uh, recorded the complete well-tempered clavier by Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, a cornerstone of, uh, of, uh, all European music. Um, like even some, some people who will be listening to this, they possibly don't know the title, but when they hear the melody, they will almost certainly identify that it's a very famous melody. And uh, the, obviously, the, the composition is public domain because um, uh, Bach passed away uh, centuries ago. Uh, but performance can be uh, limited by copyright. And there was this particular crowdfunded online project um, to record this and release this uh, uh, as a public domain licensed uh, performance. Um, I, I participated in the crowdfunding and when it was released, uh, I uploaded all the audio files to uh, Wikimedia Commons. So now everybody can uh, listen to this and I actually do like the performance. I listened to several different performances. I, I really do like this particular performance. So Kimiko Douglas Ijizaka, born in 1976, is a German-Japanese 
pianist, pianist from former Olympic weightlifter and powerlifter, uh, born in Germany. And she now plays for us the well-tempered clavier book one, prelude number one in C major, um, chosen by Amir, to whom I think, say thank you for talking to me. Uh, thank you very much.